Hello, my name is Jordan Tardo, and I'm the lead pastor at Experience Church. I'd like to take a moment and just say thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast today. I hope this message blesses you. I hope it encourages you. I hope it strengthens you for what God has called you to today. Well, good morning, Experience Church. Amen. Come on, let's give Jesus praise on this morning. Hey, my name's Kenny. I'm so excited to be able to share the Word of God with you on this morning, um, talking about a Christian culture. We're in a series called Counterculture. I want to talk to you about Christian culture. Uh, before I do that, we just want to welcome everybody that is online. Just want to say, uh, glad, glad you're watching. Uh, we love you and we miss you and can't wait to, for you to get back in the building so we can hug that neck of yours. <laughs> hey, if there's any first-time visitors here, we just want to say welcome to Experience Church. Can we give a hand to those first-time visitors? <clears throat> I also want to take a moment to pray for our pastor, um, uh, Pastor Jordan and Ashley, um, Pastor Jordan's dad had to have a major surgery. So we just want to pray for his healing uh, collectively right now uh, as a church family. Uh, so let's pray for our pastor. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, we thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace and mercy, dear God. Lord, we pray for Pastor Jordan and Ashley, Lord, that you give them strength, oh God, and comfort them and give them peace right now, Lord. And we pray for his dad, oh God, that you would just bring healing to his body, Lord God. We know that your word says by your stripes we are healed and we were healed. And Lord, we thank you for healing in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hey, just want to say real quick, um, uh, we had our Thanksgiving distribution this weekend and it was awesome. Uh, I think we gave out over 200 and 40-something bags. Yes, yes. Amen. Say, so just want to say thank you to everybody that contributed to that and um, that was out there just uh, helping out and just being of service. Uh, we thank all of you all so much, and we couldn't do what we do without you. So thank you. Hey, developing a Christian culture. Let us read Genesis 37, starting at verse 1. And it says, And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren, and the lad was with the sons of Bela and the sons of Zippah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his fathers their evil report. Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. You could say that Joseph was a little snitch, but, you know. Um, now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it to his brothers. And they hated him yet the more. And he said unto them, Here I pray you this dream which I have dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. 
And behold, your sheaves stood round about and made obeisance to my sheaves. And his brother said to him, should you indeed rule over us? And should you indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. And his brothers envied him. But his father observed the saying. And when they saw him afar off, even before he came unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. And they said one to another, behold, this dreamer cometh. Come now, therefore, and let us kill him and cast him into some pit. And we will say some evil beast has devoured him. And we shall see what shall become of his dream. Pastor Jordan spoke last week and he talked about how counseling counsel culture, how we counsel people out. And he said that counseling people is just cruelty. It's cruel. And, and, and for us as born again believers, that is not the spirit that we should have as believers. We shouldn't have the spirit to counsel people out or the spirit to uncover people's fault or to cast stones at people. I'm not saying that we have to agree with what people are doing, like we don't have to agree with their ideal. I don't have to agree with your dream, Joseph. But I cannot not like something you do and allow that to cause me to not like you. In other words, I cannot allow your ideals and the things that you're promoting and the things that, that, that you believe to cause bitterness to get in my heart to where I now hate you. And if we're not careful as born-again believers, we can get, into a get to a place in our lives where we allow bitterness to get into our hearts over something that we don't like about somebody, and then we begin to hate that person. Not only did Joseph's brother hate him for his dream, the Bible said that they began to envy him. And envy him means that I don't even care if misfortune happens to you. And this is not the heart of believers, because now I'm conspiring against you to see how I can pull you down how I can destroy your life, how I can, I can cancel you out. That is not the heart of the believers. God did not intend for us to cancel people out because God is a God of love. And we as born-again believers, if we're going to create a Christian culture, we have to love people in spite of their faults. You don't have to like the dream, but don't hate me as the person. Just think about it. They didn't like the dream, but they hated the person, not the dream. I, now I hate you, and I want to destroy you. That is not the heart of the believer. We got to have a heart of love because See, see, our world is in such a decline, like we're shifting towards ungodliness. 
more and more the world is shifting toward farther and farther away from godliness to ungodliness. I mean, so much hatred and division in the world. The world is changing. The culture is changing. You know the culture is changing. My wife told me the other day that we was going to have a vegan Thanksgiving. Come on, you know the world is changing. That's of the devil. What is a vegan Thanksgiving? She said that we was going to have a lentil dressing and a mushroom gravy. Come on, somebody. Help me out. Me and my wife, we agreed never to mention the word divorce. Come on, somebody, somebody got to help a brother out. Somebody got it. I'm telling you. I want some chicken and collard greens. I want some turkey dressing. I want some mac and cheese, some cornbread. Somebody invite a brother over. But our culture is shifting. But we as born-again believers, we can't shift. See, because we serve a God that changed not. Even though the world is changing, we have to remain the same. Look at the scripture in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 6. See, because the Christian culture is just living a Christ-like life. Like we believe Jesus and we follow Jesus. Because Jesus contradicted the world's way of living. The world said, hey, Jesus said love. The world says take, Jesus says give. The world says curse, Jesus says bless. And we as born again believers, we have to contradict the world's way of living also. Because we are followers of Jesus Christ. In 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 6, it starts out, this is the story of Lot when he was in Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, which was a, Sodom and Gomorrah was a wicked city uh, that he lived in at this time. And we're going to see what happened with uh, Lot, how he, how he was able to adjust even in the midst of wickedness. He say, in turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, he condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that after should live ungodly. And he delivered just Lot who was vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. The filthy conversation means their lifestyle. He was vexed with the lifestyle of the wicked for that righteous man dwelling among them in sin and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to reserve the unjust until the day of judgment. Here is Lot in the midst of a wicked city, but here is somebody who believed God and believed in God's laws, and, and he knew that in the place that he was in that there was so much evil and wickedness going on around him in the culture to where that men was with men, women with women, uh, they was lying and fighting and killing each other, and it was just crazy. Kind of sound like the world today. And here is Lot in the midst of this, and the Bible says that he was seeing and hearing all of this filth 
that was going on, and it vexed him. Vexed means that he was tormented by what was going on around him. The question today is, does sin vex you? Or does the things that are going on in the world, does, 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 does that vex your spirit? Do it tor- terminate you? Do it make you uncomfortable? Because if not, then that's the problem. The problem is that we have come so accustomed to the world and the world ways to where it's not affecting us as believers. And if it's not affecting us as believers, then we can't make change. Because I say now that it's okay. It doesn't bother me. Some of the stuff that we are watching and hearing and doing, it should bother us as born-again believers. We're on the phone looking at stuff and things are popping up and, you know, pornography and and all this stuff is on, on, on social media. It should bother us. Just by me saying pornography from up here, when you open your phone, it may be on there. We bind it in Jesus' name already. Because as a born-again believer, the Spirit of God that's in you should be convicted by some of the things that are going on around you. Some of the stuff my friends are doing, it bothers me. It should bother me. We have to watch what we see and watch what we hear and stop allowing the worldly contaminants to get into our hearts because it constantly shifts us farther and farther away from God. And the world want to steal your identity as a believer. The Bible says that they took Joseph and took his coat that his father had gave him. The coat of many color, the coat that his father gave him that identifies him as the son that he loved. They say, give me this coat. You're no different than we are. You're just like us. You can hate like us and you can live like us and you can do the things that we do. That's what the world is saying to believers today. Do not allow the world to steal your identity for who you are as a Christian. That's why we get baptized as believers, because baptism identifies me as a born-again believer saying that I follow Jesus. And I want the world to know I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everybody that believeth. This is who I am. How do we live a godly life in an ungodly world with so much sin and evil and hatred and division around me and us? How do we live a godly life? David wanted to know this in Psalms 119. In verse 9, he says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? That's the question. How can I cleanse my way? How how can I be different? 
The word way, picture a tractor that's in a field that just constantly going over the same path. And now the wheels have dug in the dirt to where it created a rut. And once this rut has become so deep embedded in the dirt that the tractor can now just ride down the rut by itself. Like I don't even have to steer it anymore. It just goes in the path that it has created. And see, and David said, how can I get off this path? How can I get out of the rut of the worldly system and get on a path with, with God? He said, by taking heed thereto according to your word. See, we got to create purification in our lives, meaning that we have to allow the word of God to cleanse us from the things of the world. From sin in our lives. And let me tell you, the word of God is not going to help you by just reading it. The word of God changes us when we begin to apply it to our lives. Application is what makes people say, there's something different about you. You don't do what you used to do. But the only way to do that. And to get off this rut is by taking heed there on two according to the word of God. If the word of God said don't do it, don't do it. No, I don't care what the world say. I don't care what the circle of friends say. Don't do it. Because we are trying to create a Christian culture where people can see us as the light of the world. Amen. Jesus took 12 men and said, I want to change the way the world is thinking the way the world is living, and I need your help. You also got to have determination. Verse 10 says, with my whole heart have I sought thee. Not with half of my heart, but with my whole heart have I sought after thee. So you got to have a determination. You got to say, in my heart, I'm determined to live for Christ. I'm determined to stand on God's word. I'm determined to do right. I'm determined to love people right. I'm determined to be obedient. I'm determined not to go back to my old way of living. I'm determined not to be a part of this worldly system. The Bible says that we are in the world, but we are not of the world. Yes, I'm in the world, but I'm not part of this worldly system. James says to love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, for all that is in the world, for the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life is not of God, but of the world. says to be you transformed by the renewing of your mind and don't be conformed to this world. It's so easy to get conformed. That's why we have to guard our lives so that we can create a Christian culture. But in order to do that, we got to have fortification also. In 119 and 11, he says, David says, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. You got to fortify your heart with the word of God. 
Like we have to take time to read God's word and to, to learn God, God's word and understand God's word so that it can fortify our hearts so that when people say, hey, let's do this, I can say, nope, the word of God says I shouldn't do that. I know what God's word says, so you can't just tell me any old thing. I am standing on God's word because I want to be a part of creating a Christian culture. In order to, to do that, we got to have a culture of unity, meaning that we have to stand together as believers. Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. Hell is trying to prevail. Hell is coming against Christianity. But we as born-again believers cannot allow it to overtake us in what we believe. We got to stand. For Jesus. And the very thing that unifies us is the Spirit of God. It's the Holy Spirit that's in the born again believer that unites us as one. It's not if I'm a Democrat, not if I'm a Republican, not if I'm black, not if I'm white, not if I'm Jew, not if I'm Greek. Not if I'm vaccinated or unvaccinated. It's the Holy Spirit of God that unifies us as brothers and sisters. I don't care what color your skin is. You're my brother or my sister if you are born again. We're in the same family. Now we got to have the same views in order for us to change society. Meaning that we got to believe the same thing. We got to stand on faith and stand on love and stand on God's word. If we want to change our culture. We got to have the same affections, the affections of love where we love people in spite of their faults. We are so quick to forget as believers where we came from. We're so quick to want to cancel people out for their faults and their sins, but we have not always had it together. Ephesians chapter 2 and 1 said, And you hath he quickened who were dead in your trespasses and sin. You walked also according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. But God, by his grace and mercy, wherewith you are saved, have delivered you. So we have to love people in spite of what they have done. No, I don't have to agree with it, but I have to love you. Because you never know what God is trying to do in people's lives. There's some of us right now that people done canceled out. There's some of us right now who you done cancel some people out. I'm going to talk to this side. See, they canceling somebody out right now. There's some people in our lives that we want to cancel out, but it's not Christ-like. Like, we need to start praying for those people that God would change their heart and change their minds and their way of living. What are our aims and our goals as believers? Do we have the same aims and goals 
We have to be like-minded. Our aims and our goals as believers in order to change the culture is to tell somebody about Jesus. It's to be witnesses for Christ and to give God all the glory. If we're going to change culture, we have to change people's heart, and we can't change people's heart without telling people and having them receive Jesus Christ. We need to create a culture of believers. Believers need to tell somebody that believe that they can tell somebody that believe. And we can continue to change the world. This is the cycle that we need as believers. Start telling people about Jesus in my circle because you never know who need Jesus. Just because people look like they got it together and they got degrees and they have money and they have big trucks and big homes does not mean that they are not hurt. We have to be open about our faith and tell people about Jesus. We have to not only have a culture of unity, but we have to also have a culture of compassion. We got to have a culture of compassion, meaning that we have to feel other people's pain. Compassion is simply I feel what you're going through. I understand your hurt and I want to help you through it. See, if you don't have a heart of compassion, then it means that I have a hardened heart and I don't care about your suffering. And that's not a Christian-like heart because Jesus had compassion for people. In Matthew chapter 9, Jesus had compassion for the lost. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36 says, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. He said, I got compassion because you're lost and you're heading in a direction where it's heading you straight toward destruction. And I don't want to see you go into destruction. I have a heart to say, hey, could you come this way? Could you follow me? And this is what we as believers need. We need a heart where we can tell people, hey, you need to know God. I love you enough to tell you that you are heading in a way to destruction, but this is the way of life. He had a heart for the lost. Jesus also had a heart for the, in compassion for the sick. In Matthew chapter 14, he says, and Jesus went forth. And he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion toward them and he healed their sickness. No matter what type of sickness it is, Jesus have compassion. Whether it's a spiritual sickness, a physical sickness, emotional sickness, Jesus had compassion for the people. We oftentimes want to cancel people out when we see that they have those issues. You're a drug addict. I, I cancel you out. You're you a homosexual. I cancel you out. You're you, you an alcoholic. I cancel you out. You killed somebody. You was a murderer. I canceled you out. 
Jesus said, no, don't cancel them out. Let's love those people and let's help them through their mindset, the spirit that's in them. I'm reminded of a story in Mark chapter 5 where Jesus and his disciples was going to the other side. And as they was going to the other side, they came to a tomb. And at the tomb, there was a man that they had done put in shackles because he was so wild and he was, uh, had a, a demonic spirit and he was possessed. And he was acting crazy, fighting and cursing. And as soon as Jesus came into the tomb, the man said, Jesus, thou son of God, are you here to torment me? In other words, he was saying, are you here to cancel me out? Are you here, Jesus, to counsel me like everybody else have already counseled me? My family have counseled me. Society have counseled me. Are you here, Jesus, to counsel me out? I'm telling you, Jesus don't counsel people out. If, some, if, 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 if I would have just, I'm telling you now. Even in my own life, people have counseled me out. People counsel me out. But you never know what God has in store for an individual. If people would have saw me 20 years ago, they would have said there's no way he would be up on stage preaching the word of God. Oh, no, Lord, no, not him. But you don't know what God has in store for people. That's why you don't counsel people because if people are dying here, God can raise them up. God can change their heart so that they can be different. Jesus had compassion on people. Do you care? Do you feel people's pain? See, because Jesus also had compassion on the poor. See, and Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, bless are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And what he's saying is that bless are the people whom God extends his benefits. See, when God extends his benefits, no matter what situation you may be in, no matter your state, you are blessed. But sometimes God uses us to extend his benefits of love to people. Kindness to people. As I get ready to close, we also have to have a culture of forgiveness. A culture of forgiveness because as born-again believers and people who are in this world, there are going to be times when people offend you. But we have to be quick to forgive people. Matter of fact, some of us, even now, are still holding on to unforgiveness in our hearts. And Jesus said when he was doing the Lord's Prayer, say, and Father, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who have committed sin against us. See, Forgiveness is a two-way street. Not only do we receive forgiveness for God, but God wants us to be able to forgive other people. 
There's a story in Matthew chapter 18, verse 21, about a man that owed debt to somebody. And the man came to him and said, pay me what you owe me. And he said, I can't pay you right now. Please forgive me for my debt and I'll pay you later. And the Bible says that the man had compassion on him and he forgave him his debt. This very same man went back out and found someone who owed him and said, Pay me my money. Pay me what you owe me. And the man said, I can't pay. I don't have it. And the Bible says he took him by the throat. He took him by the throat and he cast him into prison. See, unforgiveness will cause you to be so bitter and hateful toward an individual to where you want to cancel them out. And the Bible say that he cast them into prison. And a lot of us have cast some people in prison, in the prison of our hearts. And we haven't forgiven them for years. But I'm here to tell you today that the Lord says that's not a Christian culture. I know that they did you wrong. I know that it was grievous. I know that it hurt. The molestation is over. The rape, it happened, but it's over. The divorce is over. They're gone. The offense that they did to you is over. God is saying today, I need you to forgive so that you can Begin to live a Christian culture and to set yourself free. But in order for you to be free, you got to free them from the prison of unforgiveness in your heart. See, at the end of the story, Joseph ended up being ruler over Egypt. And there was a famine in the land where his brothers had to come to Egypt to get supplies, not knowing that Joseph was ruler. And Joseph told them, said, he said that I forgive you. He said, I understand now that God has something bigger for me. So the hate, the conspiracy, all that you put me through, casting me in a pit, I forgive you. Because it was bigger than you. God was doing something in my life. And the Bible said he was able to speak kindly to them. That's true freedom. When I can come back and talk to the person that offended me and let them know I love them. See, Jesus came for us. When he came to society, he came to show us how to live and how to have a Christ-like attitude, how to live for God. 
But we despise the things that he said because it contradicted the way we were. And we took Jesus and we nailed him to a cross and we crucified him. And he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus loves you. You may be here today and you just then counsel somebody out. Today is the day for you to be set free. You may be here today and you've been counseled out. I want you to know that Jesus loves you. Let us bow our heads.